Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. All right, all right, all right. It's that time of the week again. Happy Wednesday. My name is Brian Brinkman. I'm a producer here at Osiris Media. I'm here with my wonderful friends, my great friends, Megan and Jonathan. One of my favorite times of the entire week. We get to come together after days of infighting about what show we should cover. And which is the best era of fish, and if it was actually a good show, or if you didn't like it, and what the best jams are. We finally get to come together, we coalesce, we share some good vibes, we talk some fish. It's a really, really great part of my week. How are the two of you doing here? It's pretty good. I'm kind of over you telling me that my opinions are garbage, and I'm ready to just go ahead and get into the show. (laughs) 
As long as we don't talk about Roger, I'm good. <laughs> I love that song. At least you say it. Right. I'm excited. I'm so excited about today's guest. I am too. We have an awesome guest coming up here. Chris Pandolfi of the uh, infamous String Dusters is going to be joining us here shortly to talk about a show that he was at, uh, a show that he played an after show at, and we're going to get into all the nitty gritty of uh, Megan brought it up before we went live. Like the idea of going to a concert, like there's, there's something about going to a concert and then going to an after show after the concert that like, I feel like by the end of that first concert, you kind of have to prep yourself for, but then the idea of going to a concert and then going to play a concert, I don't even understand how one has the mental capacity or the energy to do that. But uh, I'm very excited to find out because it's a very cool thing. I don't have it in me to attend two concerts in a row. I've very <laughs> rarely ever done it. Even when I was young and it seemed really? like a reasonable thing to do. Nah, it's just, it, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Oh my God. I have such Are, ambitious I, plans I for April. Oh my gosh. I have like after parties like every night. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm like 20 again. This is, this is, is your we'll husband just looking soon. at like, is your husband just looking at that like block of time as I, <laughs> Megan is not around to parent? Uh, I hope so. School, if he's not, he needs to be. Movie week. Totally. If he's not, he needs to be. I'm considering like getting a hotel even though I live in New York because I don't know if I can show my face after like being out double bills two nights in a row at least. I don't it's know. Hot dogs and pizza night for the kids all exactly. week long. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was my my wife yeah. went to Vegas and I streamed all the Vegas shows, and she called you know one morning she was like so have you been having a good time with the kids I'm like yeah like they're eating a lot of mac and cheese and a lot of pizza <laughs> and it's a lot of really like easy food that's just a ton of fun they're loving it. Yeah. I have to watch these fish shows too, and you're at the fish shows. So the kids are just like, you know, they're hanging out. They're having a good time. <laughs> um, the last time I did the show followed by after show was the Vegas 2018 run. I went to November 1st, and um, friend of the pod, host of HF Pod, I mean, one of the greatest people ever, Matt Dwyer, um, Got me into some shenanigans going into the fish show, mm. which then spilled over into him pulling me into an Uber to go see the Disco Biscuits, who wouldn't start until 1.45 in the morning. And the what? show ended at 5 a.m. And I went home and wrote a fish.net review. That was like <laughs> the most <laughs> aggressive fish attendee slash right coverage. Uh, it's it's a great review. I got a, I got a lot of pushback though about my about certain opinions that I had about uh, about lyrics, which was, <laughs> which was you, interesting. That's how you know you did it right. Yeah, it exactly. is. It is. <laughs> I yeah. slept for like eight hours. I woke up and I went and got some noodle soup, which was like the greatest food I've ever had in my entire life. And then went to one of the best fish shows I've ever seen. So Mr. Dwyer um, is usually ready to go to an after show. I've seen that a few times, and that's usually when I'm like, oh, uh, excuse me. The man has eternal energy. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, good for him. It's, oh my it's gosh, incredible, I need to channel, like, channel him in April. Yeah. Because he and I were talking about it at like before the show, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna pull a John. I'm just gonna duck out, and they're never gonna see me." And we ran into each other walking out, and he was like, "All right, let's go." And that was it. There was no way to. There was no way around it. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Of course, but it was fun. um, we're gonna talk a little bit more about that here today. Uh, really excited to bring Chris on here in a second. Before we do that, is there anything else you guys have to share about? general vibes what's going on with you all this week or can we can we jump into the ad break 
let's get down to it. I'm, yeah, I'm let's here do to it. talk about music. I'm making music all week, talking about music all week. Let's 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 carry on. Making, talking, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Shout out to friend of the pod, Ryan Storm, for saying, hey, Ryan is hanging out. He's super excited for us to chat his show. He and I were texting about this last night. This is a show that he he really loves. So I'm really excited to uh oh, cool. to present this here. Um, cool, but before cool. we do that, we want to remind you of our friends at Sunset Lake CBD. What an incredible company. You know what I mean? Like what an incredible company. Sunset Lake CBD has a line of smokable hemp products that are for old deadheads or young fish fans. Anybody who are searching for the mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoia or the anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there's something for everyone. The Hawaiian haze is awesome for an outdoor show. Cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. And all the flower is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping directly, as we said, from their farm to your door. I recently got a care package from Sunset Lake CBD, and it is my favorite thing in the world right now. And that is not hyperbolic in any way. <laughs> like they, like we said in the ad here, it's very calming, very peaceful, without a ton of paranoia, without any sort of anxiety. It's great at the end of the day. I take a nice little walk. I use the pre-rolls. They're fantastic. The little buds that I've got go great in a nice little pipe. Even the oils and the uh, gummies are fantastic for late night. So I've been loving it. Check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the coupon code HFPOD. Again, that's HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned, Vermont grown. And with that, let's bring on our very special guest, Chris Pandolfi of the infamous String Dusters. Chris, how you What's doing? What's up, man? guys? How we doing? How are you? Welcome. Good. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I'm excited to go deep with the experts here. See if I can hang. <laughs> oh, are there some other people coming on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've, we've actually got a potential expert who has just come into the wings, and we're going to bring him on as well right now. Mr. What? RJ. RJ. Oh, What's going on, everybody? Surprise drop in today. Hey. How are you doing, man? Hey there, RJ. Sorry, guys. I wanted to be here from the beginning, but I had a, a thing to deal with. And then I was like, I don't really want to miss this conversation. So um, here all I am. All right. Good to see Yay. you, brother. Good to <laughs> see you, too. Awesome. Good to see all you guys. I, I just want to say that Chris was like one of the earliest, earliest Osiris supporters and advisors and has helped me figure out a lot of stuff over the years and put a, put his show in our hands uh, when he launched it. And uh, I'm very grateful to you. So thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. It's an honor to be on the team. I, I love what you guys are doing. I believe in Osiris and it's been a great journey for me um, being a podcast host. I know we're going to talk about that in a minute, but uh, good to see you, RJ. Glad you could join us. He's uh, also love your haircut, picker, RJ. right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Megan. You're welcome. Thank you, Megan. It's a great haircut. It's a really it's quite, good haircut. It's quite a it's change, but... um. <laughs> but that's not why we're here, is it? Unless it is. <laughs> that's not why we're here. Chris, you just got off of the road. I believe yep. you have 10 days off now between uh, 
shows that you're playing um, with Green Sky. Uh, you'll be going back on the road with Green Sky, and then you guys will be doing uh, headlining tours over the next couple of months. Tell me what life is like on the road in January, February 2022. How does it feel to be out playing shows right now? I, I, I don't think he's sitting that still. Um, I don't think he's sitting that still. I, I, I can answer for him. I think it's great. I think it's great to be out on the road at this point in time. Um, I'm going to make a quick adjustment here. Um, well, I, you know, I can say something about that while we, while we wait, I'm sure he'll reconnect here in a second is that, you know, I just, I, I went to a show, uh, last week. In fact, it was immediately after this, uh, the HF pod last week. And I, you, everybody probably heard me ready to run out the door about 10 minutes before we finished. And, uh, it was Courtney Barnett. It's the nine thirty club. Uh, it was a great show. 930 Club is really good about masking and vaccine checks and all of that stuff. They really police it hard. Uh, they, she played two nights, 930 Club, and after the second night, the Thursday night, so Friday morning, she posted on her socials that somebody in their crew had tested positive and they were putting off the rest of the shows. So, Wow, that's a yeah. bummer. And it's just happening all over. So uh, I'm glad uh, Chris has you know, feeling well and has made it home and hopefully he'll make it back on here with us. But, you know, it's, it is wild out there right now. It is, you know, it's cases are dropping, which is a, a really good thing. It looks as though we keep hearing tour announcements. It looks as though shows are coming up, but um, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's uh that's kind of the risk that is, that is being run at this point in time. I'm going to see the war on drugs in just about 10 days out here in Denver. And they made, ton of adjustments uh going into this tour they cut all opening acts uh they had to postpone two gigs in nashville and one other city i'm blanking on right now uh as a result of um covet exposures so you know we're just seeing the the flexibility that is needed by artists but um once we get chris back on it'll be great to to hear how that how that tour goes um in the spirit of things though well i want to i want to jump on what you just said rj you just saw the war on drugs didn't you and uh tell us how how uh, good that was uh, assuming so good good. so good it was so great um they're so great um that's that's really all i so i got to you know become friends with charlie hall the drummer and then you know finally got to see him in action and it was just it was so cool to see him playing with the band because he's like a drum machine himself you know and it's it's so great um i also i just want to say while we're while we're waiting for chris to come back i i went to the new brooklyn bowl philadelphia um over the weekend and saw mark brownstein's band and i'm going back tonight to see umphreys mcgee so um I'm like awesome. back I'm back seeing shows, I guess. You're back and I'm here. I'm like looking at tour dates and going, ah, do I yeah. really, shall I really? Um, yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I looked at the fish rumored tour dates uh, that are floating around and, uh, and, and they didn't, they didn't get me excited. Like I thought they would. I thought I'd be like. Really? And you yeah. both assured me that we would have tour dates by this week. I have no, to say. I told you that they would come <laughs> as soon as we drop the podcast. Uh, okay, so tonight <laughs> after we drop the podcast. Yeah, tonight. Probably tomorrow. Okay. You know, okay. Or, yeah. RJ, after I saw your post about the war on drugs, I was out to dinner with my husband for his birthday and the family. And I was back at home realizing they were playing at MSG. And I was like, 
trying to convince him to go last minute. And it was had been <laughs> snowing here. I was like, he's like, it's a snowstorm. We can, I'm like, we can make it to MSG. We can see sure them. So I'm going to see them it's next time they come. I know. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. No worries. Chris, welcome back, man. Full on power yeah. outage here in Denver. I don't know what's going on. Oh, wow. Shit. I wonder if it's going to reach me. Where Where in Denver are you? So I live in South Denver off of, okay. off of South Federal. Um, and in a in a cool little spot called Harvey Park. Yeah, I love it down there. I'm yeah. up, in, up up in Arvada, so we have not yet oh. the uh, the blackout, uh, the power outage that oh. you're receiving. Okay, well, when you Different drop grades. out, we'll cover for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, um, I was I was uh, let let's jump into it. Um, I want to hear what uh, what life has been like for you on the road. What what it's been like playing shows, um, how you guys have kind of adapted to it all. What, what is what, what have kind of been your highlights of, of touring over the last couple of weeks? You know, it's not without its challenges, that's for sure. But we're all very grateful to be back out there playing. And it's an adjustment period. And, you know, we're all getting used to some new elements of touring that I think will be around for a while. But I do think that things are headed in the right direction. And I feel like people's appetite for live music is sky high. So as we head toward warmer weather and, um, you know, hopefully better news on the health front, I think things are trending in the right direction. And, you know, even it's a very different time than it was, you know, two years ago, a year ago. Like the more we learn, the more we move forward, no matter what the circumstances are. So that's good news for all of us. And we're just doing our best to, you know, keep things safe and keep the, keep the tour going. And we were able to do that. Like I said, it wasn't without its challenges, but the shows were great. And, you know, I, there's this kind of stride that you hit on tour and, and an interesting kind of way to think about the past two years, because, you know, starting in March, 2020, we were all grounded for, about a year and then things kind of crept back to life. But as long as I had been an adult, you know, from the time I was like out of college, I was playing shows and I never had more than a few weeks without a show, literally my, for the, you know, my entire adult life, the last 20 years. So to have that break and to have it, you know, not necessarily on our own terms was challenging in a lot of ways. And I, now we're really starting to hit a stride that you that you hit when you're just playing night after night. There's something that that's really important to the sound of five people playing music together or whatever the act is that you are just really getting used to things and getting in the groove when you're playing live night after night. So we're starting to feel that. And starting to take more chances. And, you know, I, I only I think things are only going to get better. So it's been great to be back out there. And I, I can't wait for more shows. Did you find like with that extended break that you had to adjust your own like touring preparation or like how you how you approach playing concerts? Or, or did you just kind of jump back into it as though there hadn't been that 18 month break or whatever it was? Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at a moment ago. It was tough. And I think there was part of the arc of playing shows that was just totally 
built in. It's totally innate part of who we are as people, as performers. And we never had a long enough break to really get on any perspective on necessarily what that thing is, you know, and now we're, we're confronted with this extended break. And then when we were starting to get ready to come back, I definitely was, yeah, thinking about it differently and just kind of thinking about it more and not necessarily feeling quite as natural about things. And, you know, that, that sounds bad on the surface, but it's not, it's not all bad. I think there's a lot of evolution going on and we're all having to figure out um, a little bit of a reinvention for ourselves. And, you know, it's not about trying to go back to what we were in the past. It's about trying to move forward to become a new thing. And when you put it in that, you know, in those terms and, and you look at it with that perspective, there can be very positive elements of this, but it took a while to get to that. And I know it, it took me a lot of work to get back to playing and performing the way that I want to be able to. I'm even maybe still working on that. Maybe that's a lifelong process, you know, but it never looked the way that it did after we had that huge break. Yeah. What were the fans like, Chris? Did you notice anything different or um, with the crowds this this time around? You know, the fans are ready to go, which is great. And I think that one of the challenges for us has definitely been kind of the optics of all these canceled shows, which is such a pain in the ass and kind of unavoidable. I mean, if you decide to be a performer for your life, this is something that you're going to deal with and that you should figure out how to get used to. But this was a whole new level of it. And I think fans sort of had this attitude like, let us decide. You just put on the shows and let us decide if we want to come. And that's not really how it works, you know, and we're we're people too. And we've got these, you know, with, like with the Dusters Green Sky Touring Party, uh, it's like 25 people, you know. So there are massive considerations that we have to look into. And, and then in the instances where we have to cancel shows, it just can be such a letdown for people. And, and I, I, I put a video on my Instagram when we sadly had to cancel the bluegrass generals shows in Denver in January. And I just said, you know, in a very hopefully heartfelt way, no one is more bummed to miss these shows than I am, you know? And now I, I think we're getting clear of that, but you know, I've also thought that in the past and then it sort of boomeranged around and kind of, uh, you know, bit us in the ass. So I don't know exactly where it's headed, but, I know that I'll never take a second on stage for granted ever again. And I think that the fans are feeling an element of that too. And you can, you can see it, you can feel it. And the thing that characterizes a string duster show, which is not unlike the thing that characterizes a fish show is, you know, when you're willing to put it out on the table, the band and the crowd alike, great things can happen. And it's a sort of high risk, high reward music environment where you can take chances and you can go to these amazing, unique, momentary places together. But that doesn't come without some commitment on, on, the, on the part of both the band and the fans. And now that we all have this newfound perspective, I feel like there are some really energized moments where 
we were able to jump into that zone that, you know, of course we we've all been familiar with from so many shows in the past, but to be back there after, you know, such a weird couple of years is just an amazing feeling. Yeah. I think that a lot of, um, I wanted to say fans, but it may not be the right word. You know, a lot of, uh, concert goers forget sometimes that it's not just your job to make music but you're there for almost the same reason we are you're there to get that food from the playing the music not just the audience interaction but the musical interaction the whole thing right for Um, sure and so of course people who do consider that they're the they're the fans you want they're the ones who recognize that you want to be there as much as they want to be there um, yeah and I, and of course it goes without saying that the vast majority of fans yeah. are like that it's just mm-hmm. like in any area of life you know the minority is always the most vocal mm-hmm. and and that is a thing that you just have to get used to dealing with but you know that's just part of growing as a person as an artist and i think that that is one of the silver linings of of what's going on like i said there's a reinvention happening with a lot of artists and we're for the first time able to kind of step off this hamster wheel of touring which is the music business environment that we inherited not necessarily the music business environment that we chose that was just how you made a living you go out you play 100 shows a year you know we're in the streaming era now and so, you know, a band like the String Dusters, we do make, you know, decent money off of those things. But we've been a band for 16 years and have three Grammy nominate, you know, have a Grammy and three nominations. And we have like really put in the work to get there. But when you're just starting out and when I say starting out, I'm talking like the first 10 years. I'm not talking about the first right. year, you know, and the, the, there's there takes a level of of commitment Um that you have to be all in and being all in means going out and going on tour. So now we've had this break and I think people for the first time in their lives, a lot of people who have been on tour just constantly have had a chance to survey the landscape and think about things a little bit differently and understand what their career might be comprised of in a little bit of a different way. And like I said, there, there's can be some real positives in there. Was it a creative time for you in the band when you were off? A lot of, I think a lot of bands and musicians took that as a time to like play a lot and create new music. Was that the case for your band? Yeah, it was really creative time for the band as a band and as individuals. You know, one of the unique things about the String Dusters is we have five very unique and forceful musicians, people who, you know, we all make solo albums and i think we all put out we all put out solo albums during the 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 first year or so of the pandemic and you know i i made this crazy record called trans banjo that was like a humongous undertaking that i had started before you know the big pause and kind of put it on the shelf because I was playing all the instruments and doing all of this experimenting with vinyl sampling and all these weird things. And I loved the concept. I just, you know, I, I, I don't think I really had time to see it through because when you're on tour and you come home, you know, there are rare times where you're so inspired that you jump into work, but a lot of times you really just need to decompress and do life, you know? And, and, and that's another thing that I think people who aren't on tour 
don't necessarily know, but you got to recharge the batteries. And, and I just sort of had this project on the shelf, put an insane amount of time into it during the summer of 2020. And then it came out in February of last year. Falco put out a record, Andy Hall. He had two records that came out. Jeremy put out a solo record. Travis has got this new um, sort of podcast live show in Brevard where he lives. So it was really prolific on that front. And then as a band, we did two albums. So we did um, the new String Dusters record that comes out late February. So like a week or two away. And then we did this tribute to Bill Monroe that we just got a Grammy nomination for. So and we did the Bill Monroe thing remotely. We did the String Dusters record together. You know, there's we really can't do a String Dusters record remotely. It just doesn't capture what is so essential about the five of us playing together, what we've really learned how to do over time. So, yeah, there was a lot of creativity flowing. You know, a lot of people were live streaming. We did some of that. And, you know, also had some downtime. And I feel like right now I'm really starting to rev up you know back to that place that um that i was before or or i should say you know moving forward to a new place that you know is more evolved as an artist and i'm taking on some challenges with music that have always been there that i haven't necessarily had time to address just because like i said we're always 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 touring so yeah there was a lot of creativity and that's just always going to be the case with this band you know there's just a lot of uh, really eclectic influences a lot of things we're trying to accomplish and a lot of output um chris i just want to say congrats on the the another grammy nomination you're in best bluegrass album and the other nominees are billy strings bela fleck who i know is like your idol and hero <laughs> and billy strings is a collaborator sturgill simpson ronda vincent i mean Amazing company, company to be in. Yeah. Really amazing. The chance that we win that award is so freaking low. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it is true. I mean, if you, if I could go back in time and tell 18 year old me that I'd be nominated, you know, for a Grammy alongside Bela Fleck, who I would have never discovered the banjo if it wasn't for Bela Fleck. I didn't know anything about wow. bluegrass. I didn't know anything. You wow. know, I just, I started seeing this band and I thought that's what I want to do. And, you know, I never, I never really looked back. So yeah, it's such an incredible honor. I mean, that will just never get old, you know, and I think being nominated this year is extra special because a lot has changed in the 15 years that we've been a band. And when we started out, the scene that we are experiencing today, the, the, the jam grass scene, for lack of a better term, was really nothing like it is now. And you know, Yonder was kind of the only game in town. Cheese was sort of on a break. Salmon, similar story. And Green Sky, they started a few years before us, but I mean, we had to really kind of cut our own path. And bluegrass was just not, it wasn't a really valuable marketing term. You know, I, I think it was really associated with like the music that your grandfather listened to and the South and these sort of dated elements of bluegrass that are still a part of the music, but it has really, you know, come into the modern era. And I think that that process, you know, it's, it's been an honor for us to be a part of that process. And now where we're at right now, bluegrass is like hotter than ever. I mean, it's incredible to behold. And so 
to be nominated for a tribute to Bill Monroe, which is something we probably never would have done in our first 10 years as a band, is really cool because then fans of the String Dusters who don't know anything about traditional bluegrass are going to listen to this record and they're going to go back to the roots, which really weren't that long ago. I mean, we're talking 1945, you know, and when we started playing bluegrass, Earl Scruggs was still performing, you know, the, yeah. the first generation guys. And now a lot of them have passed on. And this is sort of our way of paying homage to this incredible, uniquely American art form that is right now getting more attention than ever before. So to, to shine a light on the forefathers and then to get nominated, that's like extra special. It's kind of uh, amazing the number of peaks bluegrass has had and every time yeah. it's bigger and bigger and then it backs off a little and the world gets interested in other things and then bluegrass keeps coming back. Yeah. And, you know, it's among aficionados, like Fish is a great example. I mean, those guys have been playing, you know, Uncle Penn and they get, you know, I, I remember seeing the Del McCurry band at, I think it was Oswego. Yep. And, you know, and, and like Fish is known for really not having other bands on the bill. And I think that Dell. And them were, you know, I was watching them. They were playing like on the on a like a a stage that was part of a tractor trailer truck in this mm -hmm. dusty little lot. And you know, I was so so into it. But people in the know have been onto this music for a long time because it is it's the real shit. I mean, it's really powerful and. Of course, there's this theme of sort of musical virtuosity, but that's not what it's about. It's really a soulful sound. And, you know, it's just it's just music that people connect to and they're fans of it, even though they've never been exposed to it. They don't know they're fans of it, you know, and then and then you put it in front of them and it's like, wow, what is this? And that's happening on a scale right now, like, like we've never really known and uh it's just it's really cool to behold and really cool to be a part of it's like classic yeah. americana yeah yeah i mean there aren't it's really many there, there aren't many american there aren't many music you know forms of music that were really crystallized here mm -hmm. in the united states and the roots do run all over the place and you know the banjo goes back to africa and these sort of scottish irish fiddle traditions but I mean, bluegrass was born and raised in the U.S., you know, starting in 1945-46. So it's it's unique that way. And, um, you know, it, it now that it has this spotlight on it, an evolution is being encouraged because that's always been sort of a weird thing in bluegrass where the traditionalists kind of want to keep it under wraps. But when music gets popular, you know, it goes where it's going to go and the people decide, the fans decide. And so right now that that evolution is really happening. And that's going to be the thing that even pushes it further, you know, up to the next level is is new artists and new voices, new influences. And so, you know, the sky's the limit. Uh, you know, with that, maybe we should uh, let, talk about the upcoming new season of Inside the Musician's Brain. Um, I, I could sit and talk with you about bluegrass for hours. I don't know about these guys, but um, uh, we can keep going. Down <laughs> I down tell, us about, <laughs> tell us about what's coming up on the new season of the podcast. Yeah. So I just relaunched after a break and 
you know, I'm it's funny because sometimes RJ and I reminisce about like in the first season and like Osiris was just getting started. And, you know, I'd have like an episode coming out on Tuesday morning and I'd be texting with RJ Monday night at, you know, at like 11 p.m. And just everything was a mess and we didn't have it ready to go. And and I wasn't on my game and we were just <laughs> and finally, I feel like I'm you know, I'm ahead of the game and I have to be because we have a lot of touring coming up. So I really, and you know, it's like, it's always more fun and gratifying to work on something when you're not rushing at the last minute. And so I think that's a product of experience, both in regard to knowing that that law sort of pertains to the podcast, but also just getting better at it and figuring out my voice and, and not, belaboring the point and just understanding a little better, you know, what I want to do with the podcast. And, you know, I have an intro to every episode that runs, you know, 10, 12 minutes. And I put a lot of thought into those. And, you know, I, I feel like that's a, an awesome part of the outlet for me. I used to spend ungodly amounts of time figuring out how those should sound and what they should cover. And now it's just all getting a lot more natural and of course, as the pod has has grown and reached more people, you know it's easier to get um, it's easier to get guests on. So I, I had Aoife O'Donovan, who is an incredible musician who has a great new record out. Um, she's a member of I'm with Her, and you know has a great solo career. Plays with the Goat Rodeo sessions with you know Yo Yo Ma and Chris Thiele. Um, Bela Fleck is episode two, which that was. That was like, let me see if I can keep my shit together for an hour while I talk to <laughs> the guy who, you know, and I, I've, I've, I've been around Bela, you know, I mean, we're, we're buddies, you know, he's sat in with the dusters a number of times, but you know, when I'm around him, I, I do have this feeling of awe that I don't really have around anyone else because it's like, what would I be doing with my life if you hadn't done what you did? So that was just really cool to, you know, go deep with, with Bela. Um, I've got a whole episode with the dusters planned where we break down songs from our new record. I'm doing a sim planning, a similar thing with the green sky guys while we're on tour. I'm going to bring my podcast rig out on tour, get them to sit down with instruments in hand. So Maggie Rose is going to come on. I'm really excited about that. I've been checking out her music, which is awesome. And she's got a really interesting story to her career, which I can't wait to dig a little bit more into Corey Wong, who is a, freaking maniac i mean he's about as prolific and productive as as anyone as any musician i've seen ever so lots of really really cool stuff on tap for this season and yeah it's it's been great to get it going again yeah we love having the show back it's such a fascinating deep dive into just the way that musicians think the way thank that you. artists kind of put songs together and uh it's one of my favorite shows that we have here at osiris so thank you i'm i'm stoked to have you back absolutely man i'm really stoked to have the show back um should we transition and talk a bit about fish i just want to say i i'm yeah I'm please taking notes here this whole idea of like being ready in advance <laughs> podcast. like i'm gonna try that on my show like i'm well, like i'm i'm running them up right right in the weekend before i drop them so it's it's just like any other lesson you know you 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 need to fail 
like a hundred times before you get it right. <laughs> well, I'm at, at episode 106, maybe if I do another one. So, uh, yeah. Have you hit your 10,000 hours though? That's, that's <laughs> the key because once you hit that, then you're good. Ain't no clocks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I, think definitely the answer, be... I think to answer your question, we should, we should get into, yeah, we should get into some fish here. That's what, that's what, that's what the people are here for on HF pod. <laughs> um, it was really fun for me, you know, just kind of like RJ hit me up about this. And of course I was excited to do it, but then comes the matter of, you know, choosing a show and, and, and then reliving that show, which is just such a, a fun, cool experience, you know, and, and something that we're all able to do these days, you know, with nugs or live fish or whatever. But when it's a show that you've been to and you have some connection with, it's cool. It's kind of like there's a whole other layer there. So it, it's been fun digging back in. Yeah, I, I've been I've been enjoying going back down memory lane and listening to this. Um, tell us really quick, what, how did you get into fish? And, and I'm, I'm curious, like you talk about Bela Fleck being such a huge influence on you and, and really turning you onto the banjo. Did your exposure to fish playing bluegrass have anything that had to do with, you know, your, your kind of push towards that route musically, or, or did that not come till later? That didn't really come till later. And, and I think that my affinity for that side of fish kind of came later after I discovered the banjo, but you know, fish was really what got me into music in general. And when I was in high school, my older brother, was in a band and you know just like so many other people music was just right in the middle of my radar screen it was something that that i loved that spoke to me and and it was a, a way that i connected with other people and then of course discovering artists and all the sort of pride and energy that goes into that i mean it was just something that that i loved and when i discovered fish i guess that was really that was really the thing that that put me over the top in terms of seeing live music. You know, I had, I had seen some bands that I was into and then my brother gave me a copy of Lawn Boy for Christmas. And I started to check out this band fish. And then I went to my first show, Jones beach 97. And I mean, I was just like, what, what is this? You know? And, and, at, the same, <laughs> and at the same time, I just got it from the very first show. And I, I didn't need any primer and it wasn't about the community. It was just about the music and the people who were there taking it in together as a group. So I guess it was about the community, but I didn't have a community that drew me into it. I really discovered it on my own. And in fact, I would go to fish shows just by myself because I just wanted to just listen to the music super intently, you know, and I was, I was really connecting with what was, you know, the live experience and the way that the music unfolded and the way that it came to life. And it was, you know, it was a, it was kind of a life-changing moment. And I, I feel like I got into that and that didn't necessarily inspire me to play music. I just, it, it really took me to a level of being a music fan um, that, that I think, was a was a deep thing it was a really meaningful thing and then i got my first banjo when i was 18 so unlike a lot of my peers you know i had almost like a little sliver of kind of the first part of my adult life where i was not a musician and i was just a fan and there's a really cool 
value in that that I reflect on sometimes, you know, like with my bandmates when we're talking about just understanding, you know, live music and what we're trying to create. And I I was there in the audience with no, you know, no like judgment about how good or bad anything was, no concept of like ripping these ideas off for my own band. You know, it was just like pure. And then I got into the flectones and and then a whole new journey started. And I actually, I kind of really drifted away from Fish. Now that of course was like in, in the era when things were kind of weird with them, you know, through the 2000s. And, and then it was RJ who was in Denver and had come out for dicks. And he was just like, man, you should come to a show. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, before the show, I think had even ended, I was on flash seats, getting my tickets for the next night. I was just like this, yes. you know, I was just like <laughs> back. I mean, it, you know, and the thing that spoke to me early on was still very much in play, but I had also spent, you know, gone away and spent all this time creating music career. So there was a, a big new perspective on it, but there also was this tie back to just like a, really pure kind of fandom feeling that is just a special thing. And, 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 you know, a deep connection, like I said, to something that I had really discovered on my own, fallen in love with, and was part of changing the course of my life. So since then, you know, I've probably been to another 30 or 40 shows and, you know, go to all the Dick shows every year and make time for it. And it's just, it, you know, as you all know now, as like we and all the people that we love fish alongside of, you know, have gotten a little older to be able to go back and tap into that thing and and to just to appreciate for a minute how the band has achieved longevity. It's a really special thing. And I appreciate it immensely. You know, just what they have done to basically get their thing in a sustainable place, but create music that I believe is, is just continues to evolve and it's as good as anything that they've done. So it's great to be back into it and appreciating it, enjoying it in new and different ways. Um, because man, I've, I've seen some incredible fish shows since that, you know, that sort of return to, uh, to the action with, uh, with RJ at Dick's. I kind That's of return to it after a break too. And I think there is something special about it. When you come back, you kind of reignite that part of you that was so young and earnest and discovering that for the first time. It's it's a great feeling. So when, when was back. your break, Megan? Yeah, I stopped seeing them kind of like around 98. Okay. And then and then I kind of went back right when they came back in like 2009, but only saw a few shows um, throughout kind of once a year. But then in 2017, I saw... I don't know what inspired me, but the Baker's Dozen was just so inspiring to me, this concept. And I saw a couple shows and I was like, I'm totally committed again, fully, yep. fully in. Yeah. And that's so awesome. I can relate. Yeah. Um, it, Chris, I'm glad that I was part of bringing you back to fish. Um, I do want to say that the Tahoe show that you chose, I was at that show and I, you guys played late night um, in the casino. And I, all I really remember is being in there at like, midnight pacific time i think i had flown in that day and it was like i had been awake for 24 hours waiting for the show to start and i was like what is going on here um but i had fun as always um what was the well yeah i guess first what made you choose this show 
Well, you know, I, when you asked me about it, I, I, I started to kind of look at like old set lists and then I, and then I had, you know, a bunch of like a pile of ticket stubs and I was like, where, where, where do I want to go with this? And I saw those Tahoe shows. Um, and it just was a really memorable, you know, I, it was, it was seven seventeen and seven eighteen, the two shows. And I went to both of them and there was just a lot of, uh, good kind of interesting points that came together you know the i went with all the string dusters on the next night 718 which that that's only happened one other time we went to a bill graham show together when we were doing pre-production out there and you know that's always really fun because fish has been really really influential on us and a lot of that is through me and going deep on this show i have this like thing that happens when i listen to these shows which is it's just so unbelievably inspiring i hear all this stuff and i'm like oh we could do that or we could do that you know what are they doing here and 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 to see it through that lens you know like i get a chills like right now just even talking about it and when i am able to bring the 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 guys to a show you know suddenly they're able to put these different things in context that we talk about all the time so like for example when we play a string duster show I make the set list and we get together 75 minutes before we hit the stage to have a production meeting, talk through the whole set list, transitions, everything. And the art of this has really evolved over time. And there's a lot of like terminology, for example, type one, type two. We talk about that every single night at the production meeting. And it's a great guidepost for what you're trying to do with your music. And no one does it better than fish. And so to have them come to the show and experience like that was really cool. Of course, we had the after shows which were really memorable. It was just a really, you know, it was just a really awesome couple of days. Of course, the tour opener is always an interesting, an interesting one. And then I, and then I started listening back to the show and the, you know, the music of course is great as it always is, but it, it, for kind of all those reasons, it seemed like a good candidate. Had you ever played a fish after show after this or like after, um, uh, had you ever, have you ever, had you ever played a fish after show before this or have you since the, this Tahoe run? Um, no, we had not. That was, that was our first time really doing like a proper after show that was, you know, walking distance from the venue right, right after. I mean, we've done other things where we played that same weekend as other bands or things like that, but this was, you know, I remember when our agent called me and he's just like, I know I don't need to ask you whether you want to do these shows. <laughs> and my, <laughs> and my, my first question was, well, can I, can I see fish in its entirety? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that, that was an easy yes, because we had the kitchen dwellers on the show too. So, you know, and 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 I was going to be a, a bit of a game time decision, and then we can talk about how it all unfolded. But I saw every minute of fish, and you know, I was just sort of wondering how it was all going to play out, and if I needed to kind of like pace myself or whatever. But um, it just turned out to be a beautiful weekend, and the music was really on, and I I I I really did it all that weekend, guys. Let me tell you, you know, I, well I. Don't know why I didn't think of this, but I just pulled up the uh, the set list from your the show you played after this show. What'd you and, notice? Uh, uh, <laughs> free, <laughs> awesome. Two thousand one. You guys had some nerve playing those songs right there, right after everybody saw Fish, and I love it. I love it. Well, they That's started. Awesome. 
they started their show with free and mm-hmm. and yeah. and then they, and then they go into possum and try and i was there with travis and we're just like oh you, you got to be kidding me so we're, we got <laughs> we got to do this you know and one of the fun things about being on stage especially now with you know we see so many of the same faces in the front few rows every time and so i know because and i make the set list every night so and which is an awesome you know amazing amazing job don't tell my bandmates but um <laughs> when they started to go down that road i just said to travis we got to do this and so you know we go we play free and everyone's like oh and then we go into possum and you can see peep the wheels are turning people are like are they are they gonna you know and of course we didn't have all these songs down so but it was just fun to kind of kick things off in that way and um and you know it just kind of like gets people engage and of course we knew we were going to do some of our some of our fish covers and we have a a lot you know some full songs some are more like teases and parts of songs but it was just a fun and different way to start off the show when you play 100 shows a year you know you got to try different things and you just got to like go out on a limb and 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 do stuff you know so that was just it was fun to see people's reaction to that yeah, I got to say, also, like you mentioning the question about being able to see the entire fish show, I have a friend who's a Denver-based musician, and he hates when they do dicks after shows, because it's, <laughs> it's a chore. It's a challenge to get there. Um, it is a show. challenge. You know, you know, guys, there are, there are ways that one can make their way to a higher plane that would potentially, <laughs> you know, energize you oh, I'm just... throughout the course of the night. And, and, you know, Travis has always been my, my partner in crime. And, you know, we, we have, we, our music takes a lot to play. And so we actually, you know, as a band over the years, and, and I really appreciate this, the focus on the music, you know, as opposed to the partying or the extracurricular activities has always been just paramount for us. And I think that that's a really important for us, you know, just in terms of achieving what we want to with music and, and remaining, you know, healthy and centered on the road. But this little two night run was somewhat of a departure and, and, you know, it was like, I think no matter what, whether you're going to a show or working on music, you know, just being open to what's going on at that time in the moment is important. It's important to capturing what can be, what can be unique about these things. Of course, this is like central to the ethos of, these bands as well and so our band fish and so it was a great kind of go with the flow weekend and um yeah we were there at the first night and i remember they started the encore and i just looked at travis and i said i i am not leaving (laughs) i am not (laughs) i'm not leaving until they're done and he's like all right well then i i guess i have to stay too and it was great to see, you know, there was just like a couple people who recognized us on the way out. And they're like, wait, aren't you guys supposed to like <laughs> somewhere right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really, it's all very close together at Tahoe. It right? is. It <laughs> is. And 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 very doable in that way. And of course, you know, shout out to the Kitchen Dwellers. They were opening those shows and did a killer job. But, you know, sometimes the stars align and you you just get to you get to kind of do it all. And that was that was one of those two night runs. Did you find the fact that you're playing a show right after a fish show 
that you're taking lessons like mentally from like how the band is performing and you're almost applying them, you know, immediately when you get on stage, like, are you taking in the show differently than if you're just going as a fan, you don't have responsibilities afterwards? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm kind of always doing that with music and I'm, I'm always trying to check myself a little bit and just trying to make sure that I'm, um, you know, sort of heeding my own advice that I said there a minute ago and just kind of being present with it. But when I hear a band like Fish, I just hear, and and we can talk, you know, there are some great like specific things from this show that even fall into this category of just like moments where you're just like, oh man, you can do that, you know? And that's how, that's how influence works, not just with music, with anything, you know, you hear something that inspires you and you take it and then ultimately the goal is to kind of make it your own. And mm -hmm. here we have one of the greatest live bands ever that is just, you know, again, they're so deeply versed in this kind of high risk, high reward musical environment. So that night, it wasn't necessarily specific things that night as, as much as it just was the inspiration of seeing music that I love. And that, that in and of itself is a really important thing to bring us back to center, especially in bluegrass where there's just like such a high focus on, you know, musicianship and virtuosity, but that's not the thing that connects with people, you know? And like, for example, the metric that I try to use when we play a show is not good or bad, you know, it's not right or wrong. It's just all about whether I was invested in the performance or not. And I know that if I am there and fully, giving it my all and fully present with the fans, it doesn't, you know, mistakes don't even affect the statement of the music. You know, I think sometimes they even reveal sort of this more human side and maybe they can even add to it when you hear someone just on the ragged edge following a thought and, and you're on that journey with them. Cause it's like happening there in the moment. They're not playing it safe. They're not trying to make sure that they get it right. And, and that's an important thing to me and something that I think about a lot in terms of performing and really tried to work on over the years. And I think just seeing the band before we were about to play was something that moved me in that direction and, you know, just, just helped me to not necessarily focus on specific musical elements, but just, just enjoy the performance and, and be there and, and be invested in it. And, and yeah, and, and that's, it's again, it's, it's like we were talking about earlier about, you know, doing the work ahead of time and preparing. It's like, you got to learn these lessons, you know, sometimes so many <laughs> times before they actually sink in, but that was a great and very, um, you know, very sort of real moment of just like igniting that music fandom thing inside me. And that helped put me in touch with that thing that I'm always chasing at a performance. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And that's Definitely. also a phenomenal transition into the show because to set the context for our listeners, um, this is the tour opener of 2018, which Fish hadn't played together for just over six months at this point in time. They closed out 2017, a sparse touring year, but a very big year in Fish history. They played the Baker's Dozen over the summer. Um, they have a banner in Madison Square Garden to prove it. They play three phenomenal nights at Dick's and then they close out the year once again at Madison Square Garden. And we don't really hear anything from them aside from there were a few classic tab shows that happened in late spring, early summer that were very cool. 
But when the band comes back, what you're talking about, like that energy, that connection with their fans in spite of, you know, mischanges, mistakes, you know, the, you know, all that, that, that idea of kind of this raw connection with their fans was so ever present. And it was something that I really remembered going back to this show because they're coming off of this massive accomplishment. And what do you do next? You've just played the Baker's dozen. What do you do next as a band? And you hear it almost immediately in this show. It's a bit rough around the edges. It kind of sounds like 2.0 in areas to me. Trey's got a whole new rig that he's trying to experiment with, but right from the gates free and MoMA especially are these two just phenomenal performances that really kind of showcase a preview into 2018 and even into 2019 and 2021 fish. Um, what were all of your guys highlights going through the first set here of, uh, of the tour opener? Well, if I may, I'll jump in and say I really love the free possum opener. I, I of course, yeah. thought of RJ as soon as they roll into possum because he's such a possum fan. Um, but then um, I, I like the string dusters version of possum better. Actually. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but really, I think this whole first set is really hot. Um, MoMA's, you know, jam chart worthy, great version. Ghost is good with kind of an odd ending. And the funky bitch rips like. I don't know. They're just mm -hmm. ready to get at it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Stash is not bad. Rocket Zero. How can you go wrong with this set? It's just, I, I really enjoy it. It was a lot of fun to blast in my house. Yeah, you know, one one thing that that you don't get when you listen back to the show that you do get at a tour opener after a long period is this unbelievable feeling of anticipation. And, mm -hmm. and it, you oh, know, yeah. of course, it, it doesn't, it does come through a little bit on, on the recording just because, you know, you can sort of hear the energy bubbling. But, um, you know, at this point in time, I was back to where I was, you know, looking at set lists when the band was on tour and I went to the Baker's, you know, traveled to go to the Baker's Dozen and just really paying attention again. And, and you know, not as deeply as some people, but but really back to being a fan. And so to be there in the house... And to feel the anticipation, woo, I mean, that's a powerful thing. And and I think, you know, tour opener is always going to be an interesting show because especially after that much time off, you know, you hit a stride when you're on tour and you start to take chances. Now, that doesn't necessarily equate to like a better show or a worse show. And, and, and you know, I'm I'm sort of the kind of fan who I I just appreciate everything that they that they do and that might be because i'm in a band and you know <laughs> i i want our fans to be that way it's like you know we try all this different stuff and it's only designed to see if we can reach the top you know and the top wouldn't be as high as it is if you reach it every time so there's sort of this this balance of it all but in a tour opener you know that that's not necessarily the time where you're going to hear them like do something deeply different or take these crazy chances but what you are going to hear is just really really solid commitment to like digging in and making the music beefy and strong and it's like we're coming out to play and i hear that in i hear that with that dog barking but i also hear that in this show i mean it's like they were really they they really got right into it and um 
MoMA is a great example of like when that song starts, it's like a shock to the audience's system. You know, same thing with No Man and No Man's Land, one of my favorite opening songs to hear. Yeah. It's just like, boom, you're just like right, right out of the gate. And when you have these songs, Funky Bitch, same thing. It's like the groove, the essence of the song sets in right away. It's not like this low point. We're going to go on this crazy journey. And a lot of the jams were like that, too. You know, I would say I would say MoMA. um, and Carini and No Men, like they're they're more like traveling through these different cool landscapes, less like super deep experimentation. More, this is the sound of our band, and we're all laying out this thing that we do. And Trey absolutely sounds awesome to me. I mean, there are parts of this show, you know, MoMA, and and there are some really creative things they do a lot. Uh, this really creative thing with the chords and in ghosts that we could you know sort of dig into, and and of course songs that that do have the big dynamic ride, Harry Hood. But a lot of them were just almost a little more kind of like one speed that that doesn't ne necessarily sound great. But actually listening back, I love it, and I know at the show I love that too. It's like it's a pretty good speed. Yeah, it's a pretty good speed and you're like they get right up on plane and they're able to like stay there, you know, and and there's a lot of that going on in this show. And that to me was like just coming out with free and such like sort of one of the quintessential sounds of fish. And it was just strong in that way. And 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 I know that tour openers for us have been like that, too. It's like we're going to play our strong stuff that we know sounds good and lay into it a little bit more as opposed to laying back because now we've been playing for a few weeks and we want to see where things can go. We want to change it up. It's just like foot is on the gas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This was interesting. Yeah. Sorry, John, when I was listening to this free because Trey's tone sounds so different. And yeah. I think about what he was kind of also going through in early 2018 with his friend passing away and writing Ghost of the Forest. And maybe he was feeling a little darker. And I hear that a little bit in his tone, especially in Free, a song that's usually kind of more blissy and piercing in tone. And this sounds a little bit more like textural and darker to me, which is super interesting. And I just heard that a lot throughout the show. I also heard Paige just sounding so strong throughout this show. He's He's really playing beautifully throughout this whole show. I've really loved listening for him. Also, Mike's, his singing sounds amazing during Possum. I was like, wow, Mike, your voice sounds so great. <laughs> but I love it. The MoMA, too, is so, like, loose and jazzy. It's really, I really like this, this MoMA. That, the MoMA into the ghost is just really great. I mean, this ghost gets, like, so quiet. And Paige is just, like, going off on the piano. And Fisherman's playing, like, this cool beat on the drums. And Mike has this, like sunny groove going on it's just really beautiful they have a really crazy description of it on fish.net about like whitewater rafting through like ice cream sundae which i don't really know <laughs> what that means but <laughs> but i kind of see what they mean but that's kind of that's that. it no matter what that's the vibe yeah, you don't need right, to know what it means exactly. that's the vibe. <laughs> i just go with it but there's like that awkward stumble back into ghost but then it slows down that tempo and it's really cool how they're doing that it's like exit out of ghost is really cool. It's a cool outro. It's a great first set. It's really I love, I love when that kind of thing, ha that thing that happens mm -hmm. at the end of ghost where Trey starts to sort of play the signature riff, but he's clearly trying to like pull back the whole band to yeah. ghost tempo. I just really appreciate those, you know, as a fan, but also, you know, from being in a band and, and hearing them sort of, 
how they work together, how they signify that these things are happening. And that was one of those, one of those moments. And then there's like this tension and then they kind of are settle back on this thing. Those are always really satisfying moments for me. I love that. Same. Um, this was the the first and only time that I went to see shows at Tahoe. And actually the first and only mm-hmm. time I think that I've ever bought posters at a fish show physically, which is strange, but I had the, <laughs> the, the posters are hanging in my dining room. They're really awesome. Um, this, the <laughs> venue there is, it's so interesting because it's like you're in Tahoe, but you're also like in a parking lot, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, a you know, going to Dick's or going to somewhere with like a ton of vibe, but but like the weather is good and the, and everyone's happy to be in California on like most people are on vacation or, you know, it, it's got like a great, it had a great um, celebratory, celebratory vibe. And I thought, I, I agree with what you're saying, Chris, they like, they, they put a lot into it, you know, especially given what Brian was saying about not playing for so long and not knowing kind of what to expect. It came, it came out of the gate with a pretty solid show. I think this show is like fairly underrated in terms of just what, what people talk about and like the way it's rated on fishnet and going back to it was really fun. I think it's wait, what what is it rated on fishnet? 3.7 out of five. And how you guys, the, the, you you guys are the pro. How does that, what's that? It's purely arbitrary. (laughs) Usually, you know, people rate these things soon after they happen. So there's not a lot of perspective. Yeah. 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 There's a lot, there's a lot of fat in the middle of the five, point scale and i i think there's a there's a lot of shows in the middle of that scale really need to extend it to 10 throw the whole thing out one of those i think anything yeah, yeah, over right. four is like considered like a, a a really really great show you know so like it's um but it is interesting because i think these tour openers they because the the rest of the 2018 tour you know just these shows happen so fast and then suddenly you're like suddenly the gorge is happening and then people like it's a lot to listen to and think back on um i think this summer tour is actually pretty good but um i feel like a lot of those shows were were overlooked so i'm glad you i'm glad you chose it chris i think it was fun to go back to yeah i, I thought also, it was yeah go ahead i was just gonna say i also have to say about the first set that you posted a video on your instagram stories i think <laughs> of you during character zero <laughs> yeah and when i watched that i thought you know, it doesn't matter what you think about the show when you listen to it. If you're there during character zero, I just, I felt like your joy and it was just, it was awesome. It was like, that is just, that's what I miss right now. Like, that was awesome. Thanks for posting that. It was really fun to see. Tracy, who runs our merch business and is a huge fish fan, she was there with us night one and she secretly filmed that video and and shows (laughs) it to us, shows it to us from time to time. And of course, texted it to me after after the show, but, um, you know, I think it was just cool for her because she, we're pretty like around the string dusters world. It's, 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 we run a pretty tight ship. And, and like I say, there's just like so much work that goes into the music and the production. And then there we are, you know, a couple hours before we're going to play and we're just absolutely letting loose. I think she was, yeah, I think she was, (laughs) she was surprised by that. And I also have to say a shout out to my man, Casey Zing, who is a good friend and a huge fan. And Casey texted me minutes before the music started and, and, and called the free opener, which I thought was, was very mm. impressive. Wow. I've never, I've never really, <laughs> I've never, I don't think I've nailed one of those myself, but, um, but 
Casey is a, a great friend and someone who I've I've been to some shows with. But yeah, he he the text came in, and then when they started playing free, it was just like this clairvoyant moment, and it was great. But but I character zero is just like one of those. It's another example of a song that is kind of automatic, you know. Yeah. And 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 there are there are going to be differing versions of it, but I hear that not only in the song choices in this show, but also in the approach to some of these jams, you know, now the ghost jam does this really, really cool thing that I, I don't think I, I had never heard them do before. And I have a, I have a playlist that I play along with um, as I'm getting ready to like go out and play shows. And there's a couple versions of ghost on there, which is, which is really fun to play along with. And they do this crazy kind of modulation where I'm like 90% sure the song is an A minor. And then they drop down and they play all this stuff in, in G major. And then they shift that, which, which is like consonant to A minor. So you still feel like you haven't like left the tonal center. I mean, you have, but you're not in this completely other world. But so they go from A down to G and they're playing in G major. And then they shift and they go to G minor. And they're sort of mm. doing the ghost sound down there in G minor, which is like jarring and cool and different and weird. And then they bump everything back up a whole step minor to minor, which is like not consonant and just very cool and out there. And one of those things that, you know, sort of has me wondering, like, was that planned? And and a lot of times, you know, the way that we evolve our live show there, there, you know, it's really predicated on just sort of like comparing notes after the show hey we we fell into this really cool thing and all this like halftime groove happened on on such and such a song and and then that sort of becomes part of the song you know and and a lot of and and maybe not necessarily part of the song or maybe it becomes like a a device that we use between songs and then you'd start to develop this sort of this arsenal of like different moves and those could be rhythmic moves those could be harmonic moves you know those could be sort of like instrumentation layers or whatever but that was something that really had me listening closely and you know it's hard for me to tell sometimes whether those are more like post kind of being a professional musician or it's hard to remember whether i would have necessarily picked up on that type of thing but i guess that's my way of saying that even though I feel like dynamically they were really pushing on this show because it's a tour opener and, and that's just what you're inclined to do when you come out for the first time after months of being off. There was some really, really cool experimentation that happened. And that to me was just like one of the highlights. Yeah. I, I hear what you're talking about in, especially in the second set, in the kind of the bookends of the second set, the no man and no man's land that opens things up. And then later in the Harry hood um, page, got all these new keyboards for the Baker's dozen one year earlier and really impacts the sound of the band's improv. His synthesizers especially have only expanded in the years since and has really overtaken a lot of the jamming and has allowed Trey this ability to kind of take a step back and play a little bit more rhythmically, um, but really give the band new colors as they're moving into improvisational areas. And I hear it in those two songs in particular. Um, they're, almost picking up these sounds and these, you know, improvisational styles that we heard, that we heard over the previous year, but starting to move into darker territories and starting to lean a little bit more heavily into the synthesizers. And you would hear that only evolve further as a summer tour goes along. And that was something that like, 
I really found fascinating about listening to this show for honestly the first time since probably the day after the show happened. I always listen to the show the next morning, even if I couch tour it. And I went like going back to this and hearing things that I love about the 2018 jamming style, just kind of the seeds of it all in this and, and the no men and later the Harry hood, like there's this middle section in the Harry hood that gets so quiet, kind of gets dark. And somehow, I don't know how you do this, but like somehow they figure their way back to that, like, you know, the, the, the uplifting Harry hood peak, even out of the darkness, just such fascinating interplay that you hear from the band as to your point, they're excited to be back on stage. There's probably like nervous energy that's running around because they haven't played in six months and yet they're making <clears throat> real-time discoveries about each other and about where each other's headspace is as they're moving forward. You know, kind of tack onto that. Like, I'm curious when you guys play a tour opener, like, do you find that you hear one of your bandmates play something? You're like, I've never heard that out of the, out of him. And like, that just adds something new as, as the tour is evolving. Well, that happens all the, all the time. I mean, yeah. seriously, I mean, I, I just have to, praise my bandmates for a minute i mean the, the, to me like I, I just feel so unbelievably lucky to be in a band with guys who are so talented so focused so motivated because i mean now it has just become automatic it's like when you're getting ready to go out on tour like you have got to be on your game there is just no other way to do it and that that motivation of course comes from you know wanting to put on a good show and you know, you got all these people paying money to come see you play. But for me, it primarily comes from wanting to be able to hang with my bandmates, literally. Like I know that I'm going to be hearing things all the time. And, you know, when you're, when you're playing well, you're listening well. And I think when you're in your own head a little bit and you're trying to, again, back to this like metric of right or wrong, which, you know, I, I say these things like it, it does not mean that I, accomplish them successfully at every show. This is just like sort of my, my, my sort of guide, but you know, I, I do have shows where I, I don't feel as great as other nights. And I do sort of fall back into this mode of like, okay, I just need to make sure I get this right. And, and in those times I'm not listening as deeply. Whereas when I'm just like flowing and, and I'm connected to my instrument and everything is lined up, I I'm actually not really thinking a lot about what my hands are doing. I'm, I'm much more focused on what is coming in from the outside and, and what I'm doing almost becomes a part of that. And you hear the sound as one, but my bandmates are an inspiring crew and, you know, it's really, it's really such a gift and tour opener, you know, especially if you've been off for a while, yeah, it's, you never know what you're going to get and you never know wh where things are going to go. And when we have our production meeting, a lot of times we say, Hey, you know, a song that the jam, you know, and, and for us, a, a 10 song set, will usually have like three, maybe four songs that we stretch out, stretch out on and go into a zone of just totally unknown territory. And, and when I say unknown territory there, th that all sort of falls on, uh, on, on kind of a gradient, you know, some, some things are more known than others, but we will have times, and sometimes it's as simple as just sort of saying to each other, reminding each other, hey, let's like really try and get into like a type two situation here where it it's not about disconnecting from where you were. It's just really about being super present in the moment. And when you are, you usually disconnect and go somewhere totally new. And it's all 
a function of of listening. And you know, it's funny. I, I think that does happen on a tour opener, but I would say even more as like as shows go along, you hear more creativity just because it's like, okay, we sort of got that solid base and you know, maybe performances of a song that are a little bit more like down the middle and and we're the kind of band where fans are not coming to one show. They're coming to all the shows on the tour. They're streaming from bar. We got to figure out some new stuff to do, you know? And so it, it happens in, in different ways. I would say like earlier in the tour, a lot of what I hear is just like chops. Like I hear guys just shredding and, that, and that, it, you know, that, that kicks your ass and, and, and motivates you. And then as the tour goes along, maybe a little bit more as a group, as a band, we find some of that improvisational stride where we're just, you know, it's, it's just amazing. The trust, you know, that, that you develop with people. And, and, you know, when I explain sometimes how jamming works to like the totally uninitiated and like bluegrass people are curious about this stuff because there's no jams in traditional bluegrass, you know, an average bluegrass song is like a minute and a half, two minutes long, you know, and it's just like flies by 90 miles an hour. Exactly. Exactly. But, but the musicianship is sky high. So why can't we like marry these worlds? And that's what, you know, our band has always tried to do. But when it, when it comes to explaining these things to people, you know, it's, it's so much more just about me and my bandmates and where we're at and being in the moment than it is about any specific musical thing. So it's, it's hard to explain, but, um, but that, you know, I always notice as tours go along that just more and more creativity coming in more and more chances being taken as a band with the direction of the song. And that's just always one of the exciting things about being on stage is like, you, you never know what, you know, where things are going to go. I, I want to take a, a moment and talk kind of focus on set two real quick. And then I'm going to have to go and uh, do some family things, I think. But um, I was looking back in preparation for this, you know, we covered these shows on HF pod, you know, as, as it was happening, I think we probably did quick hits and all of that stuff. And uh, so as like Brian, I was listening every day, I started building a, uh, a playlist in my live fish app, which I called 2018 summer slammers. And top of that list is no men in no man's land. Oh yeah. Shredding. This thing is shredding. Outstanding. It's like what yeah. 17 minutes long. And I, I want to appeal to the fish.net gods to recognize with their jam chart because this yes. version belongs there. It's so good. And it comes back, they land it nicely, you know, mm -hmm. they kind of bring the groove back. It it is um it's outstanding. Carini is killer. Slave is beautiful and beautifully placed too. Um, and no, Ryan, I did not spell it slammers with a Z, but I can edit that. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, bouncing in the middle, because I don't know, it's tour opener and bouncing is a great song. Uh, it's a good chops exercise and uh, soul planet. And I, I love the drop into steam. At a soul planet. I think that is uh, outstanding. And you guys talked about the hood. I make no hate. All all love on Harry Hood, of course. And well, the, a great encore. A great encore. This was this was the second Soul Planet, and it's pretty fascinating mm -hmm. how yeah. they, they play it on New Year's Eve. It's the theme of the third set going into going into the 2018 Odd Lang Zine. And then it comes back, and this really showcases where 
the band is going to take Soul Planet because this summer the versions from LA on 728 and the version from Alpharetta on August 4th are some of my favorite versions of Soul Planet that have ever been played, specifically the August 4th one. If you want to hear like where this tour was two weeks later and how the sounds that they're throwing out and the new jamming styles and kind of where their their, their heads are at two weeks later, this Soul Planet really showcases it. But yeah, this I... This one's no slouch too. It's no, but that's the thing. It's a dozen minutes, thirteen a baker's dozen minutes long. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> they really they go at it. I agree. I agree that No Man is. It's got this this sound. One of like this is one of the ways that I think about fish is they have this like variety of like quintessential sounds. You know, they they have like that the really dark and dirty stuff they have you know funky sounds they have their really pretty kind of like ethereal stuff and there's something that they get into in no man where and trey's got this he's got that the, this certain tone going and yeah it is a little it is different like than than what's happening in the past but he still speaks so authoritatively you know even in this like slightly different and new tone but they're, they've just that you know that they, they keep it at a pretty like high clip throughout the jam it's not like it starts starts low and builds but i i'm into it the whole time and and it's so much you know as a lot of you know what i'm drawn to is just revolves around the guitar sound and it's like a it's like a voice you know and that's what i that's what i tell people a lot of times when they don't necessarily understand or get this band you know i, I feel like the, there's so much is expressed by the band as a whole, but through that certain sound of the guitar and, and not when he's like, he's playing these long tones and almost like this yawning, like edgy tone. That's just like, so it's so compelling, you know, and you can, you can really knock someone out with a, a, a crazy fast passage, but you can also really connect with someone just through one note. If the tone is right. And you have that really on, on full display. And then the, you know, the other thing I love about this sunset, especially listening back, you know, I'm like a lot of people, you know, the albums in, in the last, you know, recent years, um, you know, there's some great stuff on there, but I always gravitate toward live, but I loved Sigma Oasis. And I think the yeah. version of steam on there is yes. so sick. It's so freaking awesome. And, you know, it's like, hearing that back, you know, I, I don't know. I have an appreciation for that song and the way that that like slow groove, that is hard to do. You know, sometimes playing faster is almost easier because you just yeah. sort of set the thing mm -hmm. in motion and away it goes. But to maintain that groove when there's all that space between the notes is, is impressive. And I've I, ever since Sigma Oasis, you know, cause I've heard steam many times, but I've just like, totally fallen in love with that song and it's on a it's on my you know top list of stuff that i love to hear and when i was listening back to the show and then that kicks into that slow groove it's just like it's so good and then the way the song is structured and the way that they hit that one big chord change right before the guitar solo takes off to me that's like a it's a it's a, like a masterpiece of arranging it just like propels the whole motion of the song forward and then gives you somewhere to come back to at the end. So that, that was just one more really cool element of the show to relive. And maybe one thing that I appreciated, you know, in a new and different way, listening back now, you know, than I did in 2018. 
Yeah, that note about like the slow groove of steam and and how when they play that and they play that in front of ten to twenty thousand people and they're just holding people with mm. the slow groove. Mm-hmm. You can so you good. Almost, you know, when you're playing fast, if you mess up, someone's gonna notice it, but not you know, most people are just like along for the energy. But a song like Steam is so reliant on just everything plotting along at the right pace everyone oh, yeah. hitting their right notes you know everything just connecting and when they play it late in a set it feels like they're all just connected on a completely different level at that point because you're not playing that groove when you're not like feeling the vibe of what that like how that song feels and how it's how it's delivered to the audience yeah i agree it takes mm-hmm. a, some commitment to throw yeah. that deep in a second set but it it works for me. I love that one. I also love how you can listen to songs like and appreciate them in a different way. For sure. Because of like, you know, hearing it on like, you know, an album format and then going back totally. and listening to it again. Like that's one thing that's so awesome about fish because you can appreciate songs in different ways at different times. It's so cool. Yeah. And they evolve over time. And, yeah. and this, this is a rare case of where like the evolution at, you know, that usually that starts with an album version. Yeah. And here we have an example where the album version comes. So later on what I thought yeah. was a really cool album, you know, I just I love I, that album. I found myself, I just listened to it a lot of times and I put that album version of steam on my kind of like top fish playlist, um, which I can, you know, I can share with you guys if that would be a cool yes, thing for the, the HF pod people. I can, we can, I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys a link and then you can blast it out through your social media and, and, uh, um, see what's on my top list. I don't tend to, uh, reminisce fondly about April, 2020, but the release of Signal Oasis <laughs> was like one of the greatest parts of that, that spring when the band had us yeah. all huddled together. I know that was cool. Mm-hmm. They debuted yeah. it. It was like one of those early moments where you're like, okay, there are going to be ways that we can all kind of connect through this process. For sure. And somehow all the lyrics were like completely appropriate for the time. It was just really weird. Like how, I don't know, kind of knowing a lot of those lyrics were, I mean, they wrote it before, but it's just incredible. Yeah, Yeah. it is. So as we do here, when we conclude uh, talking about uh, deep diving a show, everyone gets one jam. What is the jam you're recommending from this show that listeners should, should go back to and check out? Chris, you're you're our guest. You get to answer first. Well, I would say no men, but I would say MoMA close second. I think, and I think they have a similar vibe. And I just, both of those songs, like I said earlier, they're just like, it's like you just shock the crowd and just like put a bolt of energy into everyone. And I love that. And it just like gets things rolling. But similar character, but um, you know, I always love. MoMA because it's got a certain thing that we as a band have have sort of ripped off a jam vehicle if you will where you know they come back to that awesome lick um you know that they all sort of like center back around that one really cool lick at the end of MoMA and it's just a it's a great way to like you know you're heading there and then one guy suggested and then sort of the door is cracked open and then everybody starts to go and then we're all kind of grooving on that one thing. But yeah, I would say no men and, and MoMA close second. Meg, how about you? Yeah. I mean, I have to go no men's. It's kind of funny because it's not even listed on fish.net as a jam and the jam charts, which is just weird, but 
that that jam. I'm sorry, my dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> your, that jam. your dog is just angry that it's not on the jam charts. I, I know. Reba's <laughs> like, what the hell? I get the sentiment. Um, yeah, she gets it. Um, yeah, I just think there's it's that jam is everything. There's like nice peaks, it goes into like a groovy jam, then it gets spacey and trippy. It's just I really like it. And the Moma Dance is one of my all-time favorite fish songs. So I have to agree with you. But I really I think the Noman is my favorite from the show. Yeah, the no man was was a shocking moment. I'm gonna just for for the sake of diversity, so our listeners have three gems to listen to. I'm throwing out the hood. I was blown away when they got to this. There is never a moment where they start Harry Hood and I get in any way upset or like I wish they were playing another song. Like I'm right there yeah. for the emotions that I know are coming with every Harry Hood. And so I was there for this when it came on as I was listening to the show. And then as they drop into the jam, I was like, these are new sounds that I don't remember from this tour. But like I was saying earlier, I'm hearing aspects of summer 2018. Um, like one of my favorite shows from this year happened just five days later, uh, 7-22-2018, 2018, the final night at the Gorge. It's one of my favorite fish shows of the last 10 years. It flows incredibly well. It's like every song should be played next. Everything has, especially in the second set, a really cool, quiet, kind of methodical jam into it. And you hear that in this Harry Hood. You hear that approach. And so hearing them come on stage six months after one of their strongest years ever and somehow picking up their instruments and moving forward in a really uh, unique and new way while also taking these sounds that we heard from a year earlier was a it was a fascinating trip back uh back to the early part of the summer 2018 tour so thank you so much for chris for uh for recommending this this was this was awesome yeah thank you guys so much for having me this is a lot of fun i'll do this anytime so oh my gosh um, yes come back we're we're gonna we're gonna have you on some some old shows man um that and if you guys can ever make it out to a string duster show you you let me know and we got to say hey Oh, absolutely, I'm there absolutely. for sure. I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna be going to that Red Rock show, so I'll, awesome. I'll hit you up. That would great. be great. Please do. Absolutely, man. So you hit the road in like a week. You're yep. starting in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and uh, all the while you've got Bela Fleck on the podcast. So yes, um, all of our listeners out there, subscribe to Inside the Musician's Brain, and please go and see the String Dusters as they're on tour here in the spring. Um, really, really excited to see you guys here uh, a little bit later in the springtime. Cool. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you for having me today. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. It was great hanging with you and, um, we'll talk with you soon, dude. Okay. Sounds great. See you guys. All right, man. All right. Uh, that was super awesome, Meg. Um, <laughs> that was we, so we, great. We've lost two co-hosts uh, in, <laughs> in the midst me, of the show, but uh, but that was that was a ton of fun. Um, what do we have coming up next week, though? As we're looking ahead, we are backtracking and we're talking about hoist, and we're I'm super about excited hoist. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyone who has listened to HF Pod over the last couple of years will know that. Um, previous incarnations of the show um the host went through the band studio albums in a backtracking style going back through listening to the record in full talking about the inspirations around the album the recording process really diving deep and they ended on rift back before uh hf pod initially closed its doors for undermine we are back now and we're restarting the backtracking process we are i'm really excited to be diving into hoist which was funny enough when i first got into fish 
I asked a friend in math class, what fish album should I buy? Cause I wasn't thinking about live shows. I was just thinking what CD should I buy? And he said, anything but hoist. And it's, <laughs> no it's become one of my favorite fish records. It's such a great, it's so uh, great. great record. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next Wednesday, February 16th at 4 30 PM Eastern. Before we go though, we need to hear one more time about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD. Yeah, Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm, and they're located right outside Burlington, Vermont. For years, Sunset Lake was a dairy farm, and they actually produced milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. In 2019, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And they're amazing because they have really embraced Vermont's tradition for land stewardship and they use sustainable and regenerative, regenerative farming techniques. And they really believe in building and protecting healthy soils. They are 100% pesticide free. They use minimal tillage and they implement cover crops and crop rotations. And this is super cool. They also serve as a research farm for the University of Vermont's ergonomists. Did I say that right, Brian? Ergonomists? You said that right. Yes. Yeah, so I'm just going to give Yay. you a, a thumbs okay. up on that. I gave, I gave you so the with all the challenging words. I know. I was like, wow, okay. I've, I'm going <laughs> to learn some new words today. Um, but yeah, they study hemp and they inform best industry practices, which is really cool. And I also just got a care package and it's been great because I, um, I don't know if I've told you this, Brian, but I've been going through a really stressful home renovation project and I have really enjoyed the gummies this week. They've really like taken the edge off and allowed me to go to sleep better, stop worrying. So thank you, Sunset Lake CBD. And check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code HFPOD and you get 20% off your products. That's Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. And let me tell you, they're going to come quick too. Mine came really fast. Yeah, I was really blown away by how quickly mm -hmm. it came in. Um the the CBD usage uh, to to take the edge off of the home renovation projects. As someone who <laughs> just signed off on new home renovation projects, oh no, I'm, I'm about three months behind you, but but I know I'm gonna need something like uh, like Sunset Lake gummies. So yeah. you're gonna need a lot. The tinctures, pre rolls, you're gonna need all of it. Gonna need the whole the whole thing. So yeah. uh, keep it coming, Sunset Lake, because we love you. We love you guys, and um, we're we're excited to continue to promote. Um, but with that. We are going to bid you all farewell. Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us here today, wherever it may be, late afternoon, early evening. Maybe you're watching this from Asia and it's early morning. Who knows <laughs> Maybe. what it might be for you all. Maybe. We have a far reach. But thank you all for hanging with us. We will be back next Wednesday, February 16th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern to talk through Hoist. Until then... Take care of yourselves, and uh, we look forward to talking with you all here soon. Thanks, everyone.
Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. 